Hey, I'm Jesse, let's have another devotion. We're kind of recapping some of the main pillars that Paul touched on throughout this letter, just to bind them all together. We looked at something from chapter one, chapter three, wherein Paul was speaking about this deeply beloved yet deeply messed up church at Corinth and even goes on to describe them as the temple of God. That's what you are. And then chapter four opens up with a really, really profound teaching that I wanted to remind us of. This is chapter four, verse one. A person should think of us in this way, talking about apostles and pastors, as servants of Christ and managers of the mystery of mysteries of God. In this regard, it is required that managers be found faithful. It is of little importance to me that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I don't even judge myself, for I am not conscious of anything against myself, but I'm not justified by this. It is the Lord who judges me. So don't judge anything prematurely before the Lord comes. All right, when is it, when is it premature to cast judgment on someone? You know, before the second coming of Christ. That's when it's premature. Until then, you don't know what you're talking about. So don't judge prematurely. Who will both bring to light what is hidden in darkness and reveal the intentions of the hearts. That's a good thing and a bad thing. Good intentions and bad intentions revealed. And then praise will come to each from God. This is also, uh, this is also something that now that we've been through chapter 15, we can harken back to in a bit of a different light without abusing the literary context uh, in that he had not yet introduced that theme. But now looking back, we know what was on his mind as he wrote this. We see these two judgments within scripture. In Revelation 21, we see the great white throne judgment, wherein those who are not in Christ stand in judgment before God and are judged according to what they have done. But those who are in Christ face a very different judgment, and it's referred to as the Bema seat judgment, uh, whereupon you are rewarded by Christ for what you've done for the kingdom of God, and you are shown, you, you give an account for the sins that you've committed. However, in each of these, you are imputed with the righteousness of Jesus. So it'd be like going to court and there's exhibit A through however many Z's it takes to catalog all the sins you've committed. And as these are given, every one of them is pronounced to telesthy, paid in full. For this sin, paid in full. This sin, paid in full by Jesus on the cross. So it's actually a really happy day in court that though we are sinners, we stand before God justified. Now he does give a, a, a precursor to this hierarchical experience in heaven in the previous uh, in the previous chapter, speaking about how some people may be saved, that fire will test the quality of each man's work, and some of you will be saved, but only as one who just escaped the fire. Right? This is chapter three, verse 14. If anyone's work that he has built survives, he will receive a reward. This is also in the context of church planting, by the way. If anyone's work is burned up, he will experience loss, but he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. So it does, it does hearken to this experience in heaven wherein like, I'm just glad to be here. <laughs> I may not be, I may not, I may not have uh, put together something that survived the coming fire, but hey, at least I'm saved, man. And you're grateful for that at least. However, that does speak to a reward to those whose work survives the coming fire. And in chapter four, he gives us a teaching that I think is ever relevant, ever needed today, that Paul doesn't even, he doesn't care what, he doesn't care what the world thinks of him. He doesn't even care what the church thinks of him. That's profound, right? And he doesn't care what he thinks about himself. Only God is the judge. It's interesting, right? I mean, it's one thing because he knows that the, you know, the, the, the systems of thought that would 
judge him from the outside with limited information or likely to get it wrong. It's also fascinating that he doesn't care what his own church thinks of him. I think that's actually really strong. If you have a pastor who is desperate for the approval of his congregation and will never say anything that will offend them and will never call them out for sin that he sees, for example, he's not qualified to be a pastor. But he doesn't even, he doesn't even judge himself. He doesn't, he's not even aware of anything going, he's like, I don't, I don't have any kind of weird like witch cauldron in my living room. I don't have any weird cult living in my basement. I, I don't have any sins going on in my life that I'm aware of, but guess what? That doesn't really matter. This is profound. Do you remember the idea in school when you get the chance to grade your own paper? Everybody fill out your quiz and now give yourself a grade. And we'd all go really easy on ourselves. Paul's aware of this bias that we have. He doesn't care what the world thinks of him. He, he does not even allow the church's opinion of him necessarily to shape his standing with God. And he doesn't even think of his own opinion of himself as though what we're bearing. Sometimes we can be overly harsh on ourselves and sometimes we can show ourselves way too much grace and utterly lack self-awareness on either end of the spectrum. What matters more to him than anything is what God thinks of him. That's the lens through which this letter was writable through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit when you think about it. Because he has to express the love and affection he has for this church at Corinth while sim simultaneously also calling them out serially for a number of infractions against the cross that were egregious sins against God. And if he's unwilling to ever confront, then he's unqualified to lead. And yet all the while, he closes the whole thing out with this deep affection. It's all marked with this greeting. And this, the very last verse of the whole book is marked in love. Evidently, Paul really meant what he wrote in, in chapter four. He doesn't care what the world thinks of him, doesn't care what the church thinks of him even. He doesn't care what he thinks of himself. He only cares about God's opinion of him. It doesn't matter what the people on Instagram say about you. It doesn't matter what your haters blog about you. It doesn't matter what your sycophants say, right, as they kiss up to you. And it doesn't even matter what you write about yourself because you're not a very good judge of yourself. We're not very good judges of ourselves. What matters more than anything is what God thinks of you. And if God's opinion of you matters more to you than even your opinion of yourself, then you're pursuing the proper standard. You're seeking holiness and you're living out a life dedicated to sanctification. You're able to have the tough talks like Paul is, and you're also able to love genuinely without fear. It's quite beautiful. I wanted to remind us of that. It came from chapter four, verses one, uh, one through five.